0: Hello, my name is Adam Garance and welcome to this week's episode of the Susan and Mo team presents Adam Garance's fun with real estate at home podcast. This week's guest is a financial planner with RBC. Please welcome Arash Raffi. Arash, thank you so much for being on the show today. Of course. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no problem. All right. We're going to start it off. So can you tell me a little bit about what exactly a financial planner does? For sure. So uh, like, like
1: Adam mentioned, I'm a financial planner with RBC. So a financial planner will basically assist you um, in kind of all elements of your life. You know, uh, I, I kind of call us like uh, what we call um, life specialists. So if you're going through major life events like retirement, uh, you're planning to buy a house, you're looking to, um, you know, ret- uh, retire, obviously, you know, plan for a child's wedding, education costs for children. Um, All of those pieces require some form of kind of financial planning. And there's typically a lot of tax planning and uh, other elements that go with it. So that's basically what a financial planner does. Our main objective is to increase or help
0: increase your net worth and optimize cash flow. Makes sense. So tell us sort of what a a day-to-day schedule would look like for yourself for sure so my
1: my role is kind of unique i'm a, kind of like a specialist in the in the branches uh so i support two locations and basically what happens is the branch will identify a client that um you know has maybe inherited some money or maybe somebody has passed away um uh, you know uh and we're dealing with an estate so when there's Typically, money movement—that's usually where I kind of come in. I get involved, and I get to interact with you know the client and provide uh, a little bit more additional financial planning support, whether it be around tax planning, you know, like how are this money, how is this money going to, uh, you know, change their income taxes if they're looking to use the money for retirement? How is that going to, um, what is it going to look like? So um, my schedule is pretty sporadic, but um, I'm, you know, obviously with COVID-19, we're dealing with a lot of virtual world now. So, uh, you know, meeting a lot of clients over the phone or virtually like this through uh, Zoom and like WebEx meetings.
0: Which makes sense. And I mean, you're you're talking about the virtual side of things and like, Money's kind of always been virtual, you know, when, when you think back on, on even just like putting your money into the bank, like it's not like that physical cash sits into, into an, an account, like you go to the ATM and you get money, but it's the money that you have in there. So moving sort of more to a, a virtual thing, it's kind of like the world is catching up to the way banking used to be or has been for, for a long period of time, correct? Correct. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And I think a lot of clients have adjusted to, um, you know, doing things virtually uh, as much as possible. Uh, I'm actually amazed and I I congratulate every client that is able to uh, have a WebEx meeting with me because it is a little bit different. Um, But, you know, there's a lot of cool functionality, obviously, as, as you know, from using Zoom too, you know, we could, you know, we see each other face to face like this. You know, you can share your screen, which is really ideal for me because I'm personally I'm a visual learner, and I think a lot of when it comes to numbers, I think a lot of people like to see the numbers on the screen. So that gives us an opportunity to go over things um, a little bit in, in a more of a virtual setting. But it's like they're sitting across the table from us, and I've tilted my computer screen towards them.
0: Yeah, no, exactly. And I, I agree. I mean, the, uh, I, I'm also a visual learner. love looking at things like it, point blank and seeing it and having somebody walk me through each step makes a lot more sense than someone talking to me and telling it to me. And then I go, yeah, sure. Whatever you say, I believe you. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> this is, um, what would be uh, the number one benefit would you say about having a financial planner help you? Because I feel like a lot of people um, don't, don't really know why they would need a financial planner. So what would you say would be a, a number one benefit?
1: Um, I would say the number one benefit would be like giving you a sense of direction, and um, that is based specifically on your your goals and wh- you know what what is going on in your life. Um, I find that a lot of people listen to you know friends and family and they're like, "Oh, buy this investment, and you're going to make money," um, but maybe that buying that investment isn't the right you know um, advice for that one individual. You know, maybe they have other elements of, you know, going on in their life or other um, things that are happening that maybe prevent them from going into maybe something that might be very high risk, for example. So I think the biggest advantage would be to give get personalized advice, which is why one of the reasons um, when when I deal with a client for the first time, I spend a lot of time on understanding their financial situation. So where are they in their life cycle? What is their uh, objective with maybe their savings? When do they plan on retiring? And we kind of work backwards and we kind of set the goal first. Okay, I want to retire, for example, in 10 years. And then how are we going to help you get to retire in 10 years? Okay, so that's kind of the way I I would do it. And that's how a lot of financial planners do it. Um, As a financial planner, we're also, we have an accreditation. So either you're holding a personal financial planning designation, um, you know, certification or a certified financial planning. I actually hold both of them um, myself. But you actually need to be certified or a, a, or accredited planner to call yourself a planner because there is a lot of in depth things that we do have to cover. So it's not like we just provide support on hey, open this RSP and put some money in it. We say, okay, how does that RSP actually benefit you to reaching? your, your main objective of retiring in 10 years, for example. So, but I would say the biggest piece is that it's personalized advice, um, you know, specific to your individual situation.
0: Which makes sense. And I mean, you, you pointed out two, uh, two topics that uh, kind of speak true to me. One of the things being about the, uh, the investing side of things and, you know, listening to friends or family, my brother is the guy that tells me what stocks I should be buying and I, tr- I, I mean, he's not, he's not any sort of uh, financial planner or stock market guy, but I kind of trust some of the things that he says, but you're right. that like, I mean, if that, that's just going off of his advice. I mean, having somebody help you go, you know, this might be a right, the smart investment might be something that many people can benefit from. Like myself, uh, you know, my brother, you know, that he's a, he's a smart guy and, uh, yeah. But yeah, you know, he he doesn't work in money, and in who knows if I've even made the correct investments. And that's no slight on him; it's just the benefits of having a, a financial planner for sure. Uh, the other thing that you touched on is, you know, uh, putting putting money into an RSP like. When I first started opening my bank accounts and everything, I looked for the one that had the highest interest rate and it was like, oh, 1%. And I'm like, that's a huge amount. Like, look at that. That's great. But then you look at the money that's in there and like 1% on that is, is not necessarily as much. But from what I gather, some financial planners will help you lean towards more of a higher, not necessarily a higher interest rate, but more that would give you a higher return. Correct.
1: Correct. Yeah. So like, I mean, every uh, account has um, a potential return um, that might be associated with it. So it could be, um, you know, depending on how the money is specifically invested, it could be in a GIC, like a guaranteed investment certificate. It could be in cash or it could be in a mutual fund investment. Um, But uh, what we try to understand or what I try to understand um, with a client is how much risk are they willing to take? So every account that we kind of touch, we do what's called an investor profile. So we say, Adam, your goal is to retire in 15 years. You want to have X amount of dollars, you know. And based on historical information, we know that if you were a balanced investor, you might get about like five, six, seven percent return. Is that going to be enough to meet your retirement goal and your retirement need? Right. So you know, um, one of the biggest pieces with any type of financial planning, and even when it comes to returns, is you need to have an understanding of cash flow. So you have to understand like. How much money is coming in? How much money is going out? And when you retire or whatever you, whenever you hit your goal, how much are, of that are you going to need on a regular basis? And then we kind of base our, our, our investment framework, which would have different variations of returns based on your time frame and you know, uh, your comfort level. Because at the end of the day, like you might be a very aggressive investor, Adam. I might be very conservative, but we both have the same goal. We want to retire in 10 years. Well, your outcome might look very different than mine. I'm not going to, you know, give a client advice to someone like myself who might want to take very little risk and put them in a very high risk investment. But, you know, I, I think most people know the, the whole adage of, you know, the higher the, the risk, the greater the potential return. And that's kind of true with everything in life. It's not just investments.
0: Yeah, definitely. And, and, and kind of steering the conversation into that sort of investment stuff and, and risk and talking about risk. Uh, we've always kind of known that the stock market is one of the most, you know, volatile things that could possibly be out there when it comes to your money because it just goes up, it goes down. You never know what's going to happen um, on on a, on a daily basis, let alone, you know, a, a year sort of forecast and everything. COVID has had a big impact on that and it, it hasn't just been obviously the stock market. I know mutual funds and stuff like that were also impacted by by the, the COVID pandemic. Can you touch a little bit on How how that impact has? Sorry, what what sort of impact was there, and how that's maybe affected uh, people's money? Yeah, for sure. Uh, Obviously, I think when March uh, happened, uh,
1: I think everybody around the globe um, felt it. You know, whether you were a very conservative investor or an aggressive investor, basically the entire globe went on went went into a shutdown. Um, So, if you were investing at all in March, you probably saw a massive decline. In your investment holdings or your savings. Um, And it's obviously it's it's a pretty scary thing to go through. The one piece of advice I give to every client, um, depending on how diversified their investment is, and I'll highlight a little bit more about that in a second, um, then you need to kind of stay the course. Um, you, know, you know, selling when the market is low is the complete opposite of what you want to do as an investor. So, I mean, you know, uh, you, you, there's a lot of books on this. There's a lot of uh, movies about it. You know, you want to buy low. You want to sell at a high price point, you know. Um, it's no different than any business that you're running, right? You want to buy materials, raw materials at a cheap price. And you want to sell that raw material or whatever the final product is at a higher price to make more money. Um, uh, but when COVID happened, um, the one thing I, I kind of highlight, and it's kind of interesting, the, the stock market doesn't really care what the economy is doing. And I think that's one of the things I think people need to understand. And, um, you know, since March, uh, end of March, March 23rd was the bottom of the of the barrel. That's kind of the lowest point we had. We had a 30% decline in most uh, stock market indices across the world. Um, but a lot of investors have actually either recovered fully or have actually have a positive return now based on had they held their investments and I think this is where you have to be comfortable with a certain level of risk and you have to understand what how markets are go up and down and they 're a little bit more cyclical and One of the things I notice as well being in banking for sixteen years now. Is you know before we would see a wave, you know you see the stock market go up, you see it go down, and you know you you get, when you when you're on the downward trajectory, um, it seems like it's never ending, and then the recovery seems also like it's never ending. And like when 2008 happened, actually that's when I first became an advisor in the bank, and I remember like people were scared as heck, and they didn't recover some of their money for two to three years. Now, I think with technology, and I think with social media, um, just how fast things happen throughout the world, that kind of you know, cycle of up and downs have actually been compressed like an accordion. So now they, actually, they might happen actually more frequently, to be honest, and that's kind of my prediction is that they might happen more frequently, but they actually recover a lot quicker. So had you stayed invested and you were a balanced investor in March sorry, of this year, by probably end of May, you would have recovered and probably had about a one5 to 2% return. And that's what's really, which which is kind of alarming, right? We saw this massive drop, and then it shot right back up. And we're going to see that probably going forward more and more. But, you know, I, I highlighted before the diversification piece. As an investor, you need to have your money spread out. Because the world is now spread out, we don't live in a world where we only buy Canadian items. As much as we all want to support Canadian, I'm Canadian, you're Canadian, we want to support Canadian businesses, but really we live in a global world. And when you think about your investments, you have to have a globalized approach. And if you have that globalized approach, you're actually going to help. That's going to help you mitigate a lot of risk, especially going going forward into this pandemic because you're going to have more opportunities for growth and not only growth, but also in case markets go down, you're not going to necessarily feel it as much.
0: So, would you say, like, in, in real estate, this, uh, you know, there, there are certain times of the year, typically, and, and you know, I, I say typically because right now, we're, as many people know, we're in this crazy seller's market where the market just kind of always seems to be going steady. Uh, but typically, in a, in a normal real estate time, we have peaks and valleys as well. We have, you know, the spring market's normally a great time to put your house up on the market because that's when the most buyers are out there. Uh, and then, you know, if you're a, a Uh, a buyer, the best, the best time to potentially purchase could be in around the summertime because inventory is lower. So there's not as many uh, buyers who potentially are looking so on and so forth. It does the stock market kind of work like that? Or would you say the stock market kind of, you know, just sort of does whatever it wants. It just sort of depends that, uh, you know, maybe one December, it could be a great time to buy or, or sell. And then the next December, it could be the worst time to do anything. So how would you say the stock market typically flows? You
1: know what? That's a good question. Um, Nobody really knows the answer to that because, like, I mean, I think it fluctuates a lot uh, just in general. Um, I feel like the stock market or investors in general um, that drive the, the stock valuations up and down, a lot of it, especially nowadays, like I said, is based on technology. So I've had like social media actually has a bigger impact on the stock market than politics do. And sometimes they're, they're tied together, of course, because, uh, you know, you have somebody like Donald Trump who might place put out a tweet. And that tweet actually generates a big stir in the stock market. Um, meanwhile, we could have a you know a, a specific bill or you know some form of government legislation that's passed that doesn't have the same type of weighting on the stock market, which is kind of unusual, you know. And that's what I'm saying, like that the kind of the, the accordions being pushed when it comes to the business cycle, because those business cycles are being actually brought together more closely because of technology. Um, so to answer your question, though, I don't think there's a lot of there's a specific time that you can buy or not buy like for example i get this a lot especially this month this is an election year in the united states a lot of people are like rash i don't want to invest in october because well we don't know what's going to happen in the u.s election one of the cool facts about that is that the the year that there is a u.s election and there's a presidential election it's actually a better stock market year than other years so you know like if you actually invest now you actually might have a better return now of course we don't know if um, historical performance is going to predict future performance, but the reality is is that nobody knows, and we don't know what's going to drive anything. But you know, I alluded to this to this earlier. The stock market does not care what the economy is doing. What I mean by that: there's a lot of people that are unemployed in this country, in the U.S., across the globe. The stock market's still going up. We've had actually had record years in terms of returns in some in, in, industries that we've never seen before. And that's what's kind of unique about it is because, really, if you think about the number of people that are maybe, you know, it's, it's unfortunate because of COVID, a lot of people have obviously had to, you know, they've lost their jobs, they've lost their businesses. Well, a lot of the major players, though, in the stock market, so you think about your, some of your technology companies like Apple, you know, Google, Facebook, Tesla, a lot of these companies are not actually getting smaller, they're actually getting bigger. Yeah. Right. So and they they drive a big part of that stock market, too. So depending on, again, that diversified approach, had you stayed invested, you're actually going to see a climb, even though unemployment rates are, have obviously um, or the unemployment rate has gone up because more people are unemployed. So it's kind of a weird um, correlation. You know,
0: they're not they are obviously there is a,
1: a direct correlation, but there's also an indirect correlation that impacts it, too.
0: Yeah, no, and I, I definitely get that. I mean, you're, you're right there. And I mean, even locally here, Shopify is another company that had, uh, you know, really blossomed during this because they're a web-based uh, sort of company that uh, ben- benefited, maybe not isn't the right word, but I mean, they, they were able to, to see a growth because of the technology. And that's, that's sort of what COVID has forced us to do is get into a more technologically uh, sound sort of way of, of living our lives. Um, with that being said, you know, we, we've touched on this a few times, kind of already R- retirement's a big thing that I think a lot of people, um, you know, our age or even, you know, younger than, than us don't think about it. And I mean, there, I mean, I know that there's also a lot of people who are, you know, in their forties and even some people in their fifties who haven't planned for any sort of retirement, you know, they, they just want to keep working. They never really plan on retiring. There's all they want to do is work. But what would you say is, is um uh, Something that young people can do to start preparing for retirement that would really help them get a leg up on uh, on that age as we start moving into, you know, things costing more with inflation and everything.
1: Yeah, for sure. And you're absolutely right, Adam. There's a lot of people that uh, don't plan for retirement. Um, the way I always kind of describe retirement, like, I mean, when you take a trip, like let's just say you're taking a a trip around Europe. I remember in 2018, uh, when we were, when it was safe to travel, um, I took a big trip uh, to Europe and it was my first time to Europe. I planned that trip. I want to say for about five months and I was only gone 17 days. Okay. Uh, where, you know, I was looking at, you know, where to, where to stop, you know, uh, my trains, all this stuff. Retirement is like the biggest trip you'll ever take. And, and, and it's really funny because a lot of people don't plan for it. And I'm like, well, you're planning to go to Cuba and you're, you're doing all this stuff. You, you have an itinerary and all this stuff. I'm not saying you should plan your day-to-day when you retire, but you should have an idea of what, what you're going to need when you retire. And the reality is is that even me as a financial planner, I can't answer that question because it's personal for every single individual. You know, for all I know, Adam, you want to retire, you want to buy an RV, and you want to drive across the country hey, that's great, but that's not something I would do, but you might have a different you know, lifestyle expenses or whatever that I'm going to need. So the biggest piece of advice I would get to anybody who's younger is to actually build a financial plan. And I mean, there are some softwares that you can do, uh, use online that might be free. Um, however, you know, I, would, I would encourage anybody to sit down with an accredited financial planner like myself uh, or any of my colleagues um, which is complementary, um, and, and build a financial plan to see, okay, if I was to retire, if I wanna live my same lifestyle that I'm living today, how much money do I really need to save? Because we factor in obviously inflation, we factor in the fact that you know, your income is going to grow by you know, a certain percent, maybe every single year, or maybe your income is going to d- diminish maybe during your retirement years or heading into retirement, because maybe you and your partner have a different age gap, right? So those are some of the elements that I would look at, but I would highly recommend anybody to sit down with a financial planner because I think you'll see the, the real difference. Um, you know, you know, the, the, the advisors that work in the branches are terrific. Uh, they'll give you some guidance. However, you know, if you needed a little bit more in-depth planning and um, you know, more investments, uh, you know, planning, tax planning, estate planning, you know, hey, even transitioning into retirement, because one of the questions I get a lot, as a financial planner, especially for people who are heading into retirement, is, a rash, where's my money going to come from? Like, where am I going to get my money? Um, so that's where I, when I build a financial plan, we kind of highlight, okay, you're going to get this much from CPP. You're going to get this much from Old Age security. You're going to get this much from your, your employer pension, for example. Um, and nowadays, too, with the kind of the younger generation even, even if you're in your mid-20s, one of the challenges that a lot of people are going to face, unless you work for the federal or municipal government, you're not even going to get a good pension plan anymore. Um, a lot of employers have started to kind of scrap the, the defined benefit pension plan. So they've gone to a defined contribution pension plan, which means that you have to contribute money to even get anything, right? So they might do a matching or something like that for you too, but that that just goes to show you that even employers, unfortunately, are not placing enough emphasis on people retiring, which means... People aren't loyal either. Like, why would you stay loyal to a company that's not going to help you maybe, you know, um, you know, plan for your retirement? So I, I would encourage anybody, you know, it doesn't matter what age, sit down with a financial planner. Again, it's, it's complimentary where we try to understand your situation, what your goals might be. And to be honest, Adam, it's okay if you don't know when you're going to retire or what you're going to do. Like, I mean, I'm, you know, we're about the same age. I, I have no clue what I'm going to do during my retirement life. You know, I still have another 25, 30 years to work. Um, so, you know, if I don't know the answers today, that's okay. But at least I can plan for, okay, what if this is my answer?
0: And, you know, run that scenario. Yeah, I'm my financial plan or my retirement plan involves a lot of golf and watching a lot more <laughs> basketball. of course (laughs) i hope so (laughs) and maybe refereeing with you as well of course we'll still be that that, would be awesome we could be (laughs) on the court together you (laughs) know break
1: a sweat when we're when when we're well in our 60s that's
0: right i mean when you and i were growing up playing basketball and i know you're doing it too just a quick tangent i mean the referees that used to come to our games were a lot of them were in the retirement age because that's what they wanted to do is just something fun so you know yeah. retirement doesn't have to be uh stressing about money right so
1: no um, and it doesn't mean in retirement it doesn't have to mean that you stop working either and i think that's where a lot of people kind of you know if you want to work part time that's okay i had a client actually about 2 years ago uh he was well in his 80s this guy he he looked really fit like he was in great shape he worked at canadian tire part time 25 hours a week and i remember i asked him i'm like you know like you know, Mr. Client, like, how come you're still working? Like, you know, like, you don't need to work. You have a lot of money. He's like, you know what, rash, My wife passed away. I'm bored. I have nothing to do. This gets me out of the house. And I like helping people. Fantastic. Yeah. Like, he, you know, like, people would love, any company would love to hire somebody like that. So, you know, it doesn't mean that you have to stop working. Agreed.
0: No, I, I, I get it for sure. Um, all right. So let me ask you one more bit of advice here, um, that you, uh, from your standpoint and your expertise, you know, I would say it was probably about five, five years ago or so that I was kind of getting to a point where I was like, you know what, I want to start looking into investing. And it probably took me a good four, three, four years before I, I finally was like, this is what I'm going to do and, and I'm going to do it. And I had mentioned earlier, you know, about getting into the stock market, you know, through the advice of my brother uh, on, on, you know, buying safe sort of um, uh, stocks. But what, what would you say, because at this point, you know, I wasn't speaking to any financial planners either. What would, what would you say or what would you give for advice for people who are starting to look to, at investing for the first time? Because, you know, I was in my uh, late 20s at the time that I was thinking about doing it. Um, there's people who are, again, going to the retirement side of things that are in their 40s and 50s that have never invested. They've just worked, put money into a savings account, worked, put money into a savings account. Maybe invested in, in real estate in the sense that they bought one house and that's where their equity is but what would you say is the number one thing that people need to to look at when they want to start truly investing in something
1: yeah that's a great question um, I would probably say the number one thing would be to understand what you're investing in um, I, I I take a lot of pride in my role in educating clients so finding maybe a financial planner like myself or another investment advisor or, um, you know, financial advisor that will actually educate you on what you're actually doing. You know, our roles are not designed to be kind of like um, order takers necessarily or, you know, just we, we kind of make the decision for you. The idea is that it's your money. It's, it's got You have to be involved in part of that process. Um, so I would say trying to understand as much as you can about the investments. So finding somebody that you can work with, you know, and it, you know, that would be kind of like the kind of like go hand in hand together. So finding a relationship that you enjoy working with, because really, I mean, you know, I mean, obviously I work for RBC, um, but we, You know, we offer very similar products. I mean, yes, maybe some of our management fees might be different or lower. We might have better returns on some investments. But a lot of the major banks offer very similar investments. So at the end of the day, it comes down to a relationship. It's like real estate agents, right? You're a real estate agent. People could choose to work with you, but they could also choose to work with somebody else. So at the end of the day, I think finding a fit, so somebody that you can work with consistently, that knows your story, that takes time to get your note, to know your story, that will help educate you um, to kind of get to that next level. Um, but I would say the number one piece would be to, ed- to, to kind of understand maybe what is the difference between a mutual fund and a stock? What is the difference between an ETF and a mutual fund? People don't know these questions sometimes or the answers to these questions. So I take a lot of pride to educating them on an understanding what they're actually investing in and what the costs are for maybe that particular investment and why this might be beneficial to them, right? At the end of the day, like we try to make this as seamless as possible. And I mean, I've worked in banking for, like I said, 16 years. I've I've worked with colleagues. You know, I mean, they're great, but some of them also I've worked with where I've sat with them, and I'm like, you're not really explaining this to the client. They don't understand because I can feel the client's, you know, hesitation or anxiety. Um, investing doesn't have to be scary. Okay, you have to find somebody that can make it not scary for you. I think that's kind of, especially if you're brand new to it or you're you you don't really know where to begin. Is sitting down with somebody and there's no obligation like you know like I meet with anybody and anybody who wants to talk there's no obligation if they want to pick my brain about something sure I'll I'll be happy to provide my my thoughts on it but I'm not gonna sit there and say Adam I think you should buy this stock because it's gonna make you a millionaire if I had that capability I probably wouldn't be working myself you know Um, But the reality is that we don't know how well certain investments are going to do. So we try to do the planning approach to make sure that you're on track to hit those goals that you want to
0: achieve. But I would say educating yourself and finding a good relationship with somebody to work with. And that's fantastic advice. Arash, thank you so much. You've been awesome today. I feel like I learned a lot just in this conversation of things that I didn't even know or think about. Uh, And I think a lot of people can benefit from speaking with you or like you said, someone like you for sure. I think they should speak to you because you are great right <laughs> and I appreciate Thank you very much. So,
1: thank uh, you. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Uh, I, I think these podcasts are awesome. So, uh, so keep them up keep them going. And uh, obviously uh, if anybody is looking for a home, I hope they come to you.
0: Thank you, Arash. I appreciate it. Thank you everyone for tuning in again this week. Please continue to social distance and wear your mask and stay tuned next week for another fun filled episode. Thanks.